Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. So here's the thing. I like to keep all of this content as evergreen as possible. And by evergreen, what I mean is at any point in time, whether it's as soon as this episode is released or five years down the road, you can listen to this episode and it still feels extremely relevant because the content is timeless. Even so, I have to say this. I didn't plan for this episode to be relevant to our current situation with us facing the coronavirus, but I think that if you are a leader, you have a couple different directions that you can go in this time. When things get tough and there are more people looking for jobs, it's easier for leaders to say, get on board with the program, or you can go somewhere else. And you may have every right to say that as a leader. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you might have every right to say that because there are probably other people who are looking for jobs and who are looking to join your team. Having said that, it's in times like these that if leaders really buckle down and invest in the people who are working for them, who invest in their teammates, those leaders can earn the respect and the commitment of their employees and of their teammates for years to come. So take a listen to today's episode and catch a vision for what it looks like if you are able to provide a sense of meaning and progress and ultimately passion in the lives of those you are leading. Our guest today is the founder of Spark Engagement Incorporated, which is a global analytics company focusing on employee engagement. Throughout her 30-year career, she has focused on uplifting leaders and inspiring passionate engagement at all levels of an organization. She is the best-selling author of Fire Up Your Team, 50 Ways for Leaders to Connect, Collaborate, and Create with Their Teams. And she strives to create cultures of passion, productivity, and performance. Here is Jacqueline Troop Robinson. Jacqueline, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joshua. So I like to start off every interview with a few questions to help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Sure. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? There have been many things, I think. I try to keep pushing myself um, every few years to do something really outside of my comfort zone. And, and I think perhaps the one that still influences me today is in my early 30s, I decided I really needed to shift things up and I decided to backpack in Asia on my own. And that was something I had never done. I'd had no experience in doing and it took me a year and I spent the majority of that year in one country, Indonesia, and I really took that time to really get to know myself in an environment where no one knew me, 
I wasn't trying to please anyone. There were no expectations of me. Um, and I could just be myself and interact with my environment in a way that was, to me, purely authentic. And for me as a leader at the time, I'd been leading teams for a number of years already at that point, to actually have this really special opportunity to really separate myself from my normal life and to just really see what I was all about without all of those external influences um, really taught me a lot about authenticity and how to stay grounded in myself. And to this day, it influences my leadership development work as well as the leadership development work I do with others. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is passionate, visionary, and authentic. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? I think the primary question is, how can I make a difference? So really staying true to a sense of personal accountability and really always seeing the choices that they have in every moment. How can I choose in a way that will progress us? How can I make a choice in this moment that will uplift others? What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? There are so many books out there that I think are really important Recently, I have been really struck by a book called The 15 Commitments. And I think it's put out by the Conscious Leadership Group. And I think it is uh, an exceptional book in the sense that it really forces leaders to place themselves in every moment in terms of their orientation. And I think if leaders are able to orientate themselves in a way that is positive and uplifting for others, everything else kind of falls into place. So it's actually called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. I think it's a really important book. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I think it's taking time to think. I meet a lot of leaders who are just so busy and there are just so many external pressures and there's always, and I find over the years, the pace of change and what's being asked of leaders just keeps increasing. And I hear a lot, people say to me, I don't have time to think. And I was just coaching a senior leader this week, and I could see that he had gotten on this treadmill and was sort of losing himself and losing his handle on on how to direct his team because he was just too busy. So I think just taking time every day, but for sure every week to just stop and think, sit back, gain perspective, and really consider the the time and the best way forward. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I'm a why person. <laughs> um, I'm highly motivated by why I find in the employee engagement work I do when we explain the whys behind things uh, that really, really supports people's sense of, of meaning. 
Um, why not's good too, though. So that's a really tough one, <laughs> um, especially from an adventurous spirit point of view. I think the orientation, of course, a lot of our work is around meaning, um, which involves things like purpose and values. And so I guess I have to, I, if I had to choose, I would choose on the why side. Well, Jacqueline, as you just mentioned a second ago, we are here today to talk about you and your work with employee engagement. And to start off the conversation, I'd love to hear from you how you got into this niche of business? Well, it's interesting. It didn't uh, start off as quote unquote employee engagement because that's a relatively new term. You know, it certainly gained in popularity in the last 10 years. Um, I actually started out uh, by thinking about passion in the workplace and why is it that some people are passionate a lot of the time and other people aren't? Or why is it that we can be passionate sometimes and other times we can't be passionate we, and we might not even understand why? So we really wanted to investigate what gives rise to this emotional state of passion at work. And so it it uh, led us down this 20-year journey. <laughs> and, and you know what is also really important um, on that note is the other piece of it was having done so many leadership workshops, having done a lot of employee-based workshops, we realized that a lot of people were feeling like they weren't in charge of their own passion at work, that it was dependent on the type of organization they worked in, the manager they had. And uh, we didn't believe that. And so we wanted to really see what what does give rise to it and how can people own it for themselves so that they themselves can create the best possible work experience that they're able to, that they're capable of, um, and put the locus of control back into the hands of, of the individual. You are a global analytics company. How does the analytics part play into the employee engagement focus? Well, so this was the cool thing. So again, we did our initial research um, in 2000. So it is a full 20 years ago. And we did, uh, we interviewed people who'd been nominated as passionate about their work. And we, we um, did over 200 interviews and we really ran through that data and really looked at what the common themes were. And coming out of that, we created a series of questions um, that took the form of a survey. And we worked with that for a number of years. And then, of course, eventually we went online and were, we were able to collect a lot of data and so we continued our research from a quantitative point of view. And so what we've been able to do um, as a result of that research is actually um, create measures that accurately measure passion as one state of engagement, but we've discovered seven other states of engagement. Some are positive, some are negative, um, some are more challenging than others. And so we are now able to um, work with data and analyze data so that we can tell organizations, we can tell individuals about their own state of engagement, the group's state of engagement, and how to support themselves. Um, and it's all data-driven. Uh, the actions that you take, everything. After 20 years, we've been able to, we really have it down to a science. And, and so it's great because organizations 
can know exactly, like precisely what they need to do to move the dial on engagement. And Mm. so um, it really makes it very efficient and you get the impact you're looking for rather than we'll try this, we'll try that, let's see what happens here, um, which is often what happens. And I think, quite frankly, it's one of the reasons why employee engagement surveys are starting to get a bad reputation, that they're not moving the dial on engagement. Um, I think it's because a lot of them are uh, not as science-based and people really want to make a difference. They're really trying, you know, leaders are really trying to to support employee engagement, but you also need to have the, the right data that points you in the right direction. So you mentioned that there are seven measures of engagement and it sounds like you are bringing up passion more than the others. So I want to ask you some questions about passion in just a second. But what are those other six measures? So they're, we call them states because they're actually emotional states. So I have to kind of answer the question about passion to answer this other question. Okay. <laughs> so what we've learned about passion at work, that there are two main uh, factors that must be achieved in order to truly be in that high level of passion at work. One is you need a very high sense of meaning in your work and career. And that is not a surprise for most people. Um, The whole idea of having meaningful work has been talked about a lot and it's in the literature quite a bit. But our big discovery was actually you also need in equal measure, uh, a high sense of progress. Mm. So you need to experience your work as having forward momentum, as having impact, as getting you somewhere or getting someone else somewhere. Um, Progress doesn't have to be your own personal progress. It can be you're progressing a goal that is uh, that involves other people or does good in the world or moves your organization forward in a meaningful way. So it's meaning plus progress. Uh, meaning alone is not enough. And that is a huge discovery because a lot of organizations don't pay enough attention to the progress side of things. Um, they do when it comes to measuring you know, their profitability or whatever their key performance indicators are. But a sense of progress is driven by a lot more than just, you know, the numbers at the end of the day. And so that was our big discovery around passion. But then we had to ask ourselves the question, well, what if I have high meaning, but I don't have progress? What does that feel like? What is my emotional experience of my work at that moment? So um, there are a lot of different descriptors of it, but the label we put on it is it's a state of frustration. I care a lot, but I'm not getting anywhere. I'm trying hard. I'm doing everything I can think to do, but I'm just not getting the progress I'm looking for. And so that over time becomes a very frustrated state. So it's not pleasant. What often happens, though, is people aren't uh, necessarily conscious of what is the obstacle to my progress, what is the blocker, or maybe I'm over-focusing on a certain signal of progress and I'm missing others. And so I'm denying myself a sense of progress that's actually there for me if I want to access it. So we talk a lot about reframing for meaning, if that's the challenge, or or reframing for progress, if, if that's the challenge. And so the states of engagement relate to how high or low is my meaning and how high or low is my progress. So it's all relative to those two drivers of meaning and progress. So this is a podcast for leaders, as you know. When I think about employee engagement and even 
passion at work and these these two different senses of meaning and of progress, it seems like both of them can be somewhat connected to the leaders of an organization, but also to the employees of an organization. What is the balance between the responsibility of an employee versus the responsibility of a leader in employee engagement? And how, how do those dynamics interplay? Oh, that's such an excellent question. So we have an expression that we like to talk about, which is passion is a choice. Mm. So we firmly believe that your experience of your work is firmly your accountability first and foremost, that once you understand what are your sources of meaning and what are your sources of progress, once you have that awareness, there's a lot you can do to self-manage that within your existing environment and ultimately in the world. So that is absolutely the number one piece. However, coming back to your question, (laughs) leaders have an incredibly important role because they can make it easier or more difficult for people to find those drivers of meaning and progress. So we often talk to leaders about creating the conditions that make it easier for people. It's not their responsibility in the sense of you can't make anyone passionate. I think we all understand that, you know, you can't force someone to do something that they aren't willing to do and that's an emotional state. However, you can really do an awful lot in terms of the environment and how you choose to lead that can really help people access those drivers of meaning and progress for themselves as well as for the team because it also operates on a shared level. You know, teams have shared, you know, a shared sense of meaning and they have a shared sense of progress if, if that is developed and leaders can make a real difference there. So is it really just a matter of getting out of people's way, assuming everything else is good, or is there more purposeful action than that that needs to take place? Yeah, that's another excellent question, actually. No one's ever asked me that. And I think it's an important one. I think it needs to be purposeful because I think when we come to work for an organization, most of us believe that we're going to be part of something that is going to be special in some way and that we get to help create together. And yes, I hope that what I find meaningful, I'm going to be able to access here, but I also want to be part of something that can make a difference. And so I think being purposeful about you know, what is, for example, just to give you one example, uh, one of our measures, we have 30 questions in our survey that have, as I mentioned, have been highly robustly validated is, you know, the work I do at this organization, you know, is important in the context of the mission of this organization. You know, it's a paraphrase of the question, but that's basically what it's getting at. And so, I need to understand how what I do aligns and how it's important. Um, I need to know that I'm for the eight hours or plus or whatever I'm spending within my work context is moving the organization forward, not just my own personal goals. We want to be part of something that is important. And so these senses of meaning and progress, I think, you know, when, when you're when you're a leader, you can think about those who are beneath me and how do I take care of them, watch out for them, set them up for success, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, leaders also need and want meaning and progress in their own lives. So regardless of 
what people's position is who are listening to this podcast, what recommendations do you have for them to develop meaning and progress in their own lives and work? Yes, that's really important. And it's one of the challenges I find in organizations, especially today, uh, when I'm dealing with the CEOs that I work with, very often they will say to me about their executive team, for example, well, you know, basically it's their job to be engaged. It's their job to be passionate. And that's just not how it works. Everyone has a requirement for this, as you say. And it's really important for leaders to invest in their own state of engagement. And it's interesting, some leaders put themselves last. And I sometimes have to reverse that and say, no, you've got to actually put yourself first in this in this space, because if you are not truly and authentically engaged, your team is going to know that. And it has an impact on them. Even though, as I said, it is everyone's own choice, we are uh, affected by our environment. And so we know when our leaders are not engaged and leaders um, have an extra challenge, you know, because most leaders have come to their positions because of a technical expertise. So for example, I'm working with scientists at the moment. Um, they love science. They love the science they're doing. And they are also leaders. So they also need to find ways to love leadership and to see meaning and progress within leadership, not just meaning and progress within the science that they're doing. So leaders have quite a challenge, actually. They've got the self-care and they have the care of others. And finding meaning and progress can come from all sorts of different sources. But often it comes from just reflecting on and asking yourself those broad questions. What is it about this work that I do find purposeful and meaningful, significant for me? But it can come down to even the task, Joshua. Like, what is it about this task that for me is meaningful? How is it meaningful? What kind of progress am I looking for? Or what signal of progress am I looking for? It can be for people sometimes down to uh, non-tangibles, like in a, a relationship. So what's meaningful for me right now is working with this team of people, um, being part of something special. What's my signal of progress? It could very well be the type of feedback I get from my teammates, the comments they make. That may be the signal of progress I'm looking for in that context. It's not always around you know, business goals and business milestones, right? It can be very much based on the softer side of things as well. Mm. So it really depends on the task, the project, the work, even the career at the broadest level. And most people, when they ask themselves the questions, can find the answers. I find the meaning questions are easier for most people to answer. What type of progress am I looking for? takes a little bit more thought. Thinking about your own leadership, you've talked about how the research for a lot of what you do was at least begun about 20 years ago. Yes. What does the progress look like for you and your leadership to keep your passion high at what you do? Oh, great question. Uh, so I do believe things evolve over time in terms of the specifics. But to give you an example, one of the things that for me has always been very important in my work is having freedom and autonomy. 
And um, I went from being part of a very large corporation to running my own business. And so I think that is just an example of a source of meaning that has stayed very consistent over the years. Um, however, uh, other things have changed. So for example, the challenge, taking the learnings I've accumulated over the years and applying them to new challenges. So for example, currently it's more around scaling up my business, whereas previously it would have been more around creating new products and new workshops, for example, or no new tools um, around passion at work. So I think increasing challenge for me has really helped me maintain my passion at work. And I think that is true. We know from our research that that's true for a lot of people. Not everyone, right? Everyone has their own thing, but that is one of the common common drivers of passion is ongoing challenge relative to the talent and experiences that come to bear on that challenge. When it comes to employee engagement and the work that you've done, especially the original research, when you reflect back on what you and your organization have accomplished, what are some of the things that you're proudest of when it comes to the additions and insight you've brought to this space? I suppose the fact that our meaning and progress model and how the different states of engagement sit relative to meaning and progress the simplicity of that model, people often will say, oh, this just makes sense. Or that's, that's sort of instinctively true for me. Or I've just never thought about it that way. I think the simplicity of the framework is really its power where people just get it. They can relate it back to what's happening in their work or even in their life. Even though we're focused on the workplace, there is application, of course, to other things. And for them to then say, okay, that's why I'm frustrated and this is how I move forward. And just having that insight, be it at an individual level or an organizational level, is so powerful. There's nothing better. I mean, it, and, and, you know, we're really blessed. We get to hear this every day. So it just keeps, it's sort of the gift that keeps giving. We're, mm. we're able to just work with it in very simple ways and very complex ways. And, and it still resonates with people. Well, Jacqueline, we've mainly focused on this one state of engagement of passion today. And as you mentioned, there are a number of others that are connected to your work. That said, our time together is beginning to come to a close. So is there anything, whether it's related to some of these other states of engagement or anything else from our discussion of passion that you would like to either reiterate to the listeners or maybe bring to our discussion that we haven't yet talked about? Well, one of the things I'd like to offer is we have a, a special website that has a free trial offer if people want to sort of see what their state of engagement is and learn more about all the other states. And that's uh, sparksummit2020.com. And so anyone is free to come and, and try out the survey and to get their own personal individualized report. But I would say this as we kind of wrap up, that whether you are frustrated, stagnated, neutral, unfulfilled, passionate, whatever your state of engagement is, what we do know from our data that there are three drivers of engagement that are most neglected. So maybe just as an 
three hints <laughs> or tips to give people. Um, one is feedback. Uh, the vast majority of people are not receiving enough feedback. The measure is, you know, how much or how much feedback do you get on your performance at work that's really useful to you, that helps you stay on track, that helps you know if you are off track. And most people shy away from feedback, but it's incredibly important to sustaining and creating passion at work. So people basically report they're not getting enough feedback. And even in organizations where feedback has been normalized, those ratings are still on the low side. So um, ask for feedback, seek feedback, particularly if you're a leader, because the more senior you are in an organization, the less honest people generally are with you. It's just how it goes, right? So seeking out feedback is really important. Asking for input and offering input is also not done nearly enough from the point of view of supporting passion in the workplace, right? I'm not saying that people don't have very solid communication plans, but in terms of really being able to keep that information flow, both top down and bottom up going, it's still underutilized. And finally, and this one often surprises people, an incredibly important facet of sustaining and creating passion at work is celebration. Hmm. And today, most people will tell me, I'm too busy to celebrate. I, I get one thing done and I'm behind on something else. So I've just got to move on to the next thing. Or sometimes people will say, I don't really need to celebrate. I get it, but really I don't need it. But that's actually not true. And we've really challenged people on that, that um, taking time to acknowledge the progress you've made, to acknowledge your achievements and accomplishments, even in small, quiet ways, is incredibly important. We simply don't do that enough. So those would be the three tips I would give leaders, regardless of your state of engagement. If you do those three things for yourself, as well as for your team, you will do a lot to support engagement in the workplace. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. In addition to listeners going to sparksummit2020.com, where else can people go to learn more about you and the work that you do? So sparkengagementindex.com is our main website. Um, we do a lot through LinkedIn as well. So my personal account, as well as the Spark Engagement LinkedIn account are probably the main ways to get a hold of us. All righty, Jacqueline. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Joshua. If you liked what you heard from Jacqueline today, of course, you can connect with her by seeing different ways to do that in the show notes at lifeasleadership.com slash 070. But also be sure to go to sparksummit2020.com where you can interact with the Spark Engagement Index, which can help you take control of your engagement state to empower you and enable passion at work. Now, here are my top three takeaways from today's interview. The first is to have a high level of passion at work, you need two things in equal measure. First, a high sense of meaning, and second, a high sense of progress. The key to passion is to have both a sense of meaning and a sense of progress. The second thing is this. At the end of the day, passion is a choice, and your experience of work is something that you are accountable for. That's something that you should keep in mind for all of your teammates and all of your employees, but... You as a leader can make the drivers of meaning and progress either easier or more difficult to find, depending on how you lead and depending on the type of work environment and work experience that you help to create. 
And the final key takeaway is the three most neglected drivers for engagement that Jacqueline talked about. And those were, first of all, giving enough feedback. And one thing that Jacqueline said is even organizations that really have this dialed in could probably still benefit from giving more feedback. The second of the three most neglected drivers for engagement was offering and asking for input. In addition to making sure that you're giving enough feedback, be sure that you're keeping a pulse on how people are thinking about what's happening in the organization, both in regards to your leadership and the organization as a whole. And the final most neglected driver for engagement is this, celebration. Be sure that you're celebrating with your employees. This is really important for that second part of passion, which is a sense of progress. Whenever you are making great progress, don't just go ahead and move past it to the next thing. Be sure to celebrate the progress you're making. Now for our first episode for next week, we're going to have two gentlemen who have started a bit of a movement focused on opening up a conversation that sheds light on the hyper offensiveness that arises in our society at times. This notion of a cancel culture where some people try to quiet others just because they are offended. What they're not saying is that we can be offensive. What they are saying is that we need to find a way to have better dialogue and to really be able to discuss ideas and have a little bit more grace for each other. There are large things that we need to unite against. And when we allow small things to divide us, we're not able to bring about the change that we otherwise could. I hope you'll join us for that discussion then. And until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.